Before we start this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which we're recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Hey, I'm Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Mind, where we delve deep into the big issues affecting women in sport, providing thoughtful background, analysis, insight and opinion. We'll be back with a regular On Her Game episode next week, but I just wanted to get this next issue out because it's really something that we need to talk about now and it can't wait. Today, we're chatting about the NRLW Collective Bargaining Agreement, which is being negotiated at the moment between the NRL and the RLPA, the Rugby League Players Association, and this will ultimately shape the women's game in rugby league. And to do this, I'm pleased to say I have Channel 7 Sports Journo, Real Talk Media founder. She's a women in sport advocate and my good mate, Katie Brown, joining me. Katie, I'm so excited that we're doing this. Finally! Thanks for having me. That was like a really lovely intro. Thanks, Dave. You deserve every single bit of it as well. Now, Katie, I wanted to do this because I love chatting to you, but also because I we've heard a lot at the moment. It's a big talking point in rugby league, this CBA. But a lot of the time in mainstream media, it's talked in conjunction with the men and the women kind of a little bit of a side note. They are or they're a paragraph in a very big story. And for me, looking at this CBA for the NRLW plays, the first CBA, an historic moment for them. But there's more at stake for the female players, I believe, than the male players at the moment. It's more important to get this CBA right for the women. Yeah, this is the step where the NRL, NRLW and the RLPA come together and go, we're making female athletes professional. We're asking of them 10 weeks plus finals. So we need to give them a CBA and we also need to give them decent money where they can have a preseason in that and be paid rightfully. Um, they need to know yesterday mm. um, because they all have full-time jobs. Some of them have been lucky enough to pick up jobs within NRL clubs at the moment. But outside of that, uh, majority of them mm. are juggling casual work, uh, living at home, families, uh, and, and being a mum mm. as well as everything on top and they're mm. going to have to drop it and figure out what they're doing before next year comes around and at this stage there's no CBA on the horizon for them. Because this whole CBA process started back last year in November, still hasn't been done. And like you said, I can't imagine what it's like for these NRLW players at the moment. You know, you say casual work, a lot of them are in full-time work. They have to tell their employers what's happening next year, how much time they're going to take off, when they'll be able to work up until. And they have no, even if... You know, there's no salary cap. Uh, they don't, so they don't know where they're going to play because at the moment clubs can't sign players. So they don't know if, say, a Queensland person will stay in Brisbane or whether they'll have to move to Sydney and relocate the family, find a new job, tell their employer. Like, I cannot believe how stressful this would be to now be at the end of November and still not know what you're going to have to do next year. It must just be incredibly Stressful, And that's why I think like it's so important at the moment to, to be talking about the NRLW, CBA. We hear a lot about the men's. The men's know, they know when their season's starting. The girls have no idea what their life is going to look like in a couple of months. It must just be incredibly stressful. 
Yeah. And there's been uh, chat around when kickoff is like you mentioned, but um, these players are talking to their workplaces and their workplaces are saying, Hey, we would love to move you on to this area. We'd love to give you a promotion. And their workplace are investing in them mm. outside of sport, but they can't actually take the risk and take that opportunity because they want to be athletes just like the men. Mm. They want to be professional athletes. They're holding out hope. Right now we don't even know a minimum wage. Mm. We know the RLPA is aiming for around 20000 and we can talk about the salary cap or mm-hmm. the CBA um, agreement a little later. But right now there's a lot of confusion. There are a lot of voices. There's a lot of miscommunication and uncertainty. The women as well, they're they're calling for a 12-month contract and that's what they want out of this. So they have a little bit of certainty. They know how much money they're getting and also they're they're covered for that whole 12 months. Is that too much to ask for, do you believe? (laughs) Could you imagine just saying to a male NRL player, hey, um, (laughs) we're offering you a 12 months. (laughs) (laughs) Like the players that are on the the out after they've had their their 10 or 5-year career Mm. on their million-dollar usually when you're at the end of your career, right? In the end, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're going, that's that's when they get their 12-month add-on. For a for a female NRLW player, uh, 12 months should be mandatory. Like mm. it should, that should be the minimum mm. we're offering these players. And if we have a CBA agreement, this needs to be thought of. And I and I know that they're saying every year there's going to be an option to increase a cap and increase um, a contract period because it would be lovely if you could roll out of bed knowing that you've got a two-year deal with the Eels or you've mm. got a three-year deal with the Broncos and mm. you can work to be a professional athlete mm. because I tell you, the moment they go to professional, we'll get a better product. Let's talk about the structure of this competition because it's we adding four new teams into the competition next year. So it's going to be a 10-team competition. So it is growing and that's fantastic. We can't wait to see the new clubs out there. That means it's a longer competition as well. When are they thinking about starting the competition? You said to me, May, and that blew my mind. I just thought, May, that's so soon. When you think about if it starts in May, you've got like six, maybe eight weeks preseason prior to that as well. Like you're looking like March, April to start and it's now end of November. I mean, that's not very long at all. But how would under the CBA, what are we looking at with the structure? Yeah. And also remember, this is the Christmas New Year period. So everything is like festive. Mm. There's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So then you start the new year. Basically, the the word is that May is going to be the date that they want to align to have the 10 weeks and then move into a final series to align with the NRL, which means I believe the NRLW will again be shadowed underneath the the final series and be the one or two Mm. line add-on that we get and we we often see in media at the moment. Mm. Um, The preseason would then be, yeah, a six six to eight, but also that's pushing it because the women will be expected to stay fit from January through to April Mm. um, and and on their own accord with no competition. There will be all-stars at the start of the year, but what are they supposed to do for that four-month period? This is where the states come in. Mm. And right now you've got the BND Premiership and the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership Mm. in New South Wales, the two biggest comps in Australia underneath NRLW. Mm. Now they have to get the states on board to say, hey, we'd like to align with the NRLW Mm. so that the NRLW players who aren't selected to play that week can drop back and still remain game fit. Mm. But the states, if they're not feeling like they want to agree with the NRLW, 
don't have to. Mm. Um, what are they supposed to do in the lead up to May? They'd mm. want a competition, but can the states afford to have a competition from March through to September? Mm. What player can afford to do that when the, the average payment of a, a female player in a state competition is either zero mm. or maybe 200 mm. a win? Mm. You'd have to think that that's what's going to have to happen at some stage, at some stage, because we, we love the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership down in New South Wales, same with you up at the BMD, up in, in Queensland, because it has all the NRL W stars playing it. It is a really, really strong competition. But, you know, moving forward with the growth of the professional game and the NRL W, you can't expect the girls to play a full season of Harvey Norman Women's Premiership and then NRLW as that grows as well. At some stage, it's going to have to, these whole three competitions are going to have to play alongside each other as well, you would think. It would happen. Yeah, so what's what's the rush? Should it happen? Can, is, are there enough, is there enough talent in the, in the pathways to be able to sustain a BMW and a Harvey Norman Women's Premiership, like the two state competitions, as well as an NRLW Premiership? Short answer, no. But if you don't start and do it now, you're never going to have enough talent. So you're going to so have to have short-term pain at some stage to be able to do this. And whether absolutely. it's next year or in three years, at some stage you're going to hit that the same point, right? Sam, I remember your famous words, if you can see it, you can be it. That's exactly <laughs> what needs to happen. These state players, that it's going to be a lower tier, but wouldn't you prefer to see a lower competition suffer with talent than the NRLW? Because the, the teams in the NRLW are already complaining that we've expanded too quickly. Mm. But just like the AFLW, you're going to see the struggling sides. Just like the NRL, just like the AFL, mm. Every men's competition goes through the exact same mm. problems and how long have those competitions been going on for? At least 100 years. Mm. It's not going to stop, but you've got to start it so it can get better. So growing pains at some stage. I want to pick up on Absolutely. what you said about where it's positioned at the moment. So it's all timed in so that the NRLW grand final plays at the same time as the NRL grand final. Is that's sustainable. I, I'm, I am a little bit torn with this one. I don't really know where to stand because we saw the AFLW this year move past the AFL. And I've got to say, they had clean air. They had clean media air, public fan attention. And for me, it, it really worked. I know how my newsroom at Fox Sports News has reacted. And we're doing more women's stories than we ever have bigger stories. The women are in the headlines all the time for the AFLW. And it got me thinking, could this then happen for the NRLW? If the NRLW go, moves on beyond the men's game, could they have clear air there to be able to really shine? Would it work? Oh, yeah. I think it would work. I've always been for the NRLW to start in February, um, just before the trial matches start for the NRL, because mm. After Christmas, after New Year, everybody's keen to have their footy back. They mm. want their fix. Fans will turn out anywhere. So we also have to remember the climate we're in, and it's stinking hot in February. So mm. if you take back six weeks from February kickoff date, that's 
that's actually probably not feasible because it is in that new year. Yeah. So I like the idea of then going, okay, let's start a bit later and continue through Mm. the final series of the men, then have a a women's final series alone Mm. and compete alongside AFLW because you know what? Then you're going to see... NRLW mm. and AFLW, and we've got the the A League women that happen at and this the time WBBL of year as well. Is at the same time. As Everything, well. <laughs> all at once. So, how yeah. are they? Cove? How are institutions? Cove having like amazing stories. <laughs> or like, and I have seen it. And Fox Sports News this year as well. It's been wonderful having like. Um, having the AFLW and WBBL leading our headlines every single time and it's just, yay, the girls, I love it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think it absolutely unreal. could work and I think the test will be this weekend as well with the AFLW grand final to see how many people they get to the game to see how that goes because I did, I did find, what was it, like it was a bigger audience for the NRLW grand final this mm. year Um and I did think this is the first time I've seen it work as a doubleheader where I did think it worked because it was a big crowd. So that kind of got me thinking as well. But um, but I AFLW am is sold out. Yeah. It's sold out in two hours. Also, capacity is 8,000. Wish yes. it was more. Yeah. But. It's not really the MCG, uh, but. Yeah. No, but we'll go with it because a pack crowd looks great. Mm-hmm. And it's really, at the end of the day, commercially, they need to sell it to eyeballs mm. on TV. So everybody needs to turn on their TV <laughs> and get to the game. <laughs> but I think this is another part of the CBA that the RLPA wants to see as well is they want to have in a consultation agreement and consultation rights for the women so that the women do get a say in how long their preseason is, where the competition will, will be positioned throughout the year so that they can have a bit of a say and um, – in how their competition looks. This is something that the RLPA is putting in the men's CBA as well, but I feel like it really affects the women because it's a growing product. It isn't going to be the same in 2023 as it's going to be in 2026. There's big changes that are happening for the women's the structure and they want to have a say in it. Yeah, and I think isn't it great that they should have a say now to get it right now as we're going through these mm. growing pains, as you call them, so that when there is this full-time product, they don't need to go, oh, actually, we might expand here or, oh, mm. bummer, we've got six teams in Sydney. You know, like they're, they're getting everything set in place correctly now. However, I'm already feeling like it's reactive rather than being proactive in a lot of these instances. The NRLW started in 2018. Here we mm-hmm. are at the end of 2022 with no CBA and still no idea of what the, the draw looks like. Mm. They know. They expanded the competition mm. without knowing a draw before they expanded it. Like, yeah, yeah. And Come I, on, that be was better. interesting, right? So we announced the men's draw, but the women didn't want their draw to be announced until the CBA was done. And fair mm. enough, because they want to be able to have a say in, in how it looks. But you're right, you would have thought when they did announce earlier this year that there'd be four new teams, that could have been a great moment to be able to wrap things up and, and be able to put out the draw and have a bit of certainty and uh, finish the women's CBA. That would have helped. Yeah. Just the kickoff date would have helped. Yeah, yeah. Give them a bit of certainty. It's so important uh, for them. Another thing you talk about, what isn't in it? Because the last CBA was done in 2017. The women's competition didn't start in 2018. So they were kind of stuck, weren't they, before? And Mm. it's a five-year CBA for the men. So they were stuck in this really bad position because it's not until now that 
the CBAs run out and they can finally be able to negotiate theirs. Um, pregnancy policy is a big one in the CBA for this year. I find it strange. I, I think it's not it's not something that's a luxury. I feel in women's sports to be able to have a pregnancy policy in your CBA, it, it's just a given. This should be in place without a doubt. And it's very interesting that the NRL doesn't have a pregnancy policy in place for the women. Are they going to bring a pregnancy policy in for this CBA? This is what they want. They want to be able to have the RLPA, a parental and carer's leave. And they've looked to other sports to see what theirs are to be able to bring it in. And, I mean, look at the women that we see in the game at the moment. Look at Sam Bremner, mum of two, just got just a a one-year-old at home and she has lit up the NRLW and has lit up the World Cup for the Gillaroos and played extraordinarily well over there. Women can play past pregnancy and, pardon me, and they've proven that. And this is something that really is. So, they want to go a step further with the pregnancy policy than than other codes as well. Uh, they want that to include miscarriage, stillbirth, termination, secondary carers, um, foster parents as well and adoptive parents. So they want to make sure that all mums are quite covered under this. Uh, they also want a, a three-month train and trial built into that policy, which basically says that you have uh, if you're under contract that, you know, you, you you were given that time to be able to build up from your pregnancy because no one can tell you, no one pregnancy is the same and no one <laughs> pre- pregnant woman's journey is the same back to where they are. Some can do it really, really quickly. Sam Bremner, others take a while as well. So I guess this means in a way that they'll be able to access all um, the club's benefits and and be able to access their high performance and everything to give them time to be able to get back into that peak performance as well, which is so policy. But yeah. And the other things that, you know, carers in this carers policy as well, it's, you know, for, for a carer and a parent to be able to travel and enable an infant and a carer to travel with them on away games up to two years old, um, and stuff like that. And to be able to make sure that they're protected under their contract when they are pregnant and they want to come back and play. I think this is just a no brainer, isn't it? Yeah, Sam, we saw that trial at the Rugby League World Cup with New Zealand as well. They had a carers policy and that was a breakthrough because they actually looked at New Zealand rugby Mm -hmm. um, and their policy for female athletes, which has been highly regarded and I guess complimented Mm -hmm. um, around the world. And people are looking at New Zealand, our tiny, tiny (laughs) trans-Tasman neighbour who are leading the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was great. Shanice Parker and um, Appy Nichols Mm -hmm. had a paid carer to come with them and look after their babies. And they just said they can't believe the difference Mm -hmm. it's made because their babies are so young. Mm. I think maybe Shanice, I could be wrong, was maybe breastfeeding. But for Sammy Bremner, I know that she had to leave her children back home. Yeah. And if you asked her, she would have loved to have been back even quicker. I know mm. that we all look at her and admire her for returning so quick. But that's going to be a huge game changer because mm. there's so many women who have to find people to look after their kids while they train. you got to remember, NRLW is semi-professional, yet the NRLW demands them to be professional and turn up it, two, three it? times a week, train in their own time to do gym, mm. travel. You're traveling Friday, playing Saturday, mm. coming back Sunday. Where are your children? Mm. We have mums that play in mm. this competition. 
I always think of it, people think of the practicality of finding someone to look after your kid or if the kid's being breastfed, has to have access. I think of the psychological way as well. For the player to leave their child, it breaks my heart. It makes me want to cry. I get so emotional. I can't imagine leaving my kids for that long. And I believe mm. if you had your kids with you, you're going to play better. You know, you're going to be fresh of mind. You're not going to have any other emotions. You're just going to be healthy healthy psychologically and mentally to be able to perform at your best. And that's what these policies do. And that's what we saw from from New Zealand with Shanice and Arpi as well. Um, Katie, finally, this is important because of all the reasons we've said, but most of all, the NRLW has an attrition rate of 30% at the moment. We are losing women from our professional game. And that's scary. I find it especially scary because I'm worried that if we keep losing our best players because they can't keep affording to make these sacrifices for the game, they want to be able to have a life. They want to be able to have careers. They want that to be football. But if it can't be football with this new CBA, then they're leaving the game. And I fear with the NRLW, we're going to get caught in this semi-professional kind of cycle where you keep losing the best players, the game isn't benefiting from that. And if the product isn't at its full potential, then that's not going to inspire the game to then grow it, if you know what I mean. But it's Mm. because we haven't been able to establish the foundations to keep people in the game. And that's a concern because we want to get them to be professional. We don't want to get stuck in this semi-professional cycle. No, I think it all comes down to money and we could tackle this topic in so many ways. But if a woman can be compensated financially, then she has money to pay for a roof over her head and her family's and she has a roof, uh, she has money to pay her bills and she's being rewarded so she can then buy boots and mm-hmm. play the game that she loves so much and turn up for her teammates, etc. What needs to happen, I believe, is that The NRL have said we want every club to have a team by 2027. So that is the next time that we will have a CBA bargaining agreement. But before then, clubs should be putting in place their Pathways programs yesterday. Mm. That needs to happen. If they don't already have it, then they should not be able to compete in the NRL. They need to get serious about it. At board level, the ARLC is the boss. Start bossing around the clubs and step down on it. If you are a club and you are seeking sponsorship, Mm -hmm. you need to make sure that your sponsor is going to go 50-50 or Mm 60-40. And I don't care what way, Mm -hmm. but you should not be accepting sponsorships from big names if they're not willing to put in money for a women's program as well. Because when you are working in a commercial business, Mm -hmm. you should be going to your sponsor and saying, we are proud. We represent both competitions. Do you? Mm. If you don't, that's okay. We actually don't want you on our jersey. Mm. We don't want you to be aligned with our club because that is how you're going to make money. And we're seeing, I'm in Brisbane, so I find that the Broncos do a fantastic job at that, I mm-hmm. have to say. I've also noticed that the Eels, um, they even had completely separate sponsorships and I thought that's really refreshing to mm. see this, mm-hmm. but it needs to be better mm. and it needs to be serious. And it needs to come from the top, doesn't it? Absolutely. We are the ones who make the rules for this competition. Mm. We are not, you and I, but the (laughs) ARLC are the ones. If only we could, Katie, if only we could. (laughs) 
And I just feel like it makes complete sense. Like mm. if, if you want a competition that is viable, if you invest in a product properly, you get a better product back. Mm. It's, you don't need Frankenstein to tell you that. Mm. We see it. If you want a successful business, you make sure that you water your plant and it will grow better than the plant next to it that's not being watered. Mm. If you water your NRLW players with professionalism, I tell you what, they will be professional. Yeah. The, the product improves. Yeah. <laughs> Walking at that salary cap, speaking and picking yeah. up what you said. <laughs> so they're looking at minimum wage 20 or 30. I heard $30,000 for that and dropping the marquee system. Is 30000 for a minimum wage? Is that? Is that sufficient? Do you think it's? And also, I was no. I was worried about five years because I was like, but this salary, if this CBA is for five years, how then, as the game grows, you don't want to be locked into this system. But the RPA mm. are looking at a system that enables that flexibility. So as the game grows, so will their wages and and salaries and that salary cap as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a big question I had. I thought, oh, well well and good to have a a million-dollar salary cap for the first year, but that's not okay for years two, three, four, and five. Um, And I don't think a million dollars is okay for year one because when you're comparing that to the men's, uh, the men's is apparently, you know, some U-beaut new $13 million salary cap that we've never seen before, yet the women's entire team has to be Daly Cherry Evans' salary, mm. has to be less than Nathan Cleary's salary, one player. Are we kidding? Mm. So that's a, a message also. The RLPA are the, the voice for the players, mm-hmm. but I would encourage the players to relay a strong message to the RLPA to fight harder mm. because you can always ask for more money. Certainly super interesting times. We need to be talking about this. It needs to happen, like you said, yesterday, and I hope it gets done quickly so that the players have some certainty. They know what their future looks like. They at least know what the next six months looks like. Katie Brown, you're an absolute legend. Uh, I've loved chatting with you about this. Thank you so much for joining me on On Her Mind. <laughs> oh, it's been a dream come true, you and I yeah, working together. I appreciate it. I've <laughs> been wanting to do this for so long, so I love it. You blow my mind on On Her Mind. I love it. Well done, Katie. Thank you so much. Love you. <laughs> you too, babe. 